Audio Frontier. This is Football Daft with Stephen Purden. Midfield Dynamo and average actor. Chris Toll. Target man. Suspicious character. And... Right, welcome to Football Daft, the Daftest Scottish Football Podcast around. My name's Stephen Purden and let's welcome the team. First, a man who this week is back filming his officer, Hugh McCurdy, in Scott Squad. It's Grado. How's it going, mate? How you doing, mate? Aye, it's good. Back filming. I know you were talking, have you spoke really about the kind of COVID restrictions and all that, that, that that's in place? It is crazy, isn't it? I don't know that on Go Radio last week. I see that. That's right. I you were on my show. You were on the breakfast show on oh, Go Radio. I was on coffee show, mate. How come you? How you come? You get him on. You know, never get me on. Wait, and now let's what? welcome a man. <laughs> <laughs> let's Those welcome a man. Put Scott Squad on the map. Is Tam Sprague oh. one of the best sketches I've seen on TV? It is Chris Toll. Mate, that's fucking. That's touched me. I'm even lying. I'm even lying. I've watched that a good few times. Every time I see it pop my phone, I watch it. Right, so this week in Scottish football, Scotland are top of the group. Brilliant, aren't they? Aren't they? Do you know what Absolutely fucking rotten. It's like I try my best to sit there and watch it. And then when I'm watching it, honestly, man. I watched, the f- what was the first game? Israel won it? Yeah. So I watched the first like, 70 minutes and then I just charged on with Cobra Kai on Netflix. I couldn't take it anymore. <laughs> By the way, what about Cobra Kai? How good is Cobra Kai? <laughs> oh, They're talking about Scotland, that's for sure. Honestly, Cobra Kai is fucking, it's, it's quality television. You know it's like, Stevie? It's like a fucking cuddle. Aye, it is. It's, it's pure it's, nostalgia. It's a nostalgic snuggle on your couch, man. It's beautiful. It's like the wee snippets back forty, the old eighties Krataka. It's it's beautiful. Gado's not seen it, ain't you know? I've not fucking seen it. I've only seen Krataka <laughs> one. I've only seen Krataka one. Never mind Cobra Kai, man. Come on. Well, I tell you what. Back. You've got you've got some viewing ahead of you, brother. Aye, you have me. I, I would like see how you get your wee film podcast too. I would like you to like me, write me a list of films because I've I mean I had to come up with like the, the the best bad guy in a movie last night on Wrestling Daft and I had to pick fucking uh, Officer Trunchbull. No, she's not even an officer. The, the head teacher in Matilda. Trunchbull. Trunchbull. man, Pam Pam Ferris. You know what I mean? Yeah. She was a good villain. But I, I I want to know all these cool movies that I've not, that I've never ever seen before. Yeah, I tell you what, mate. I'll, I'll send you a list of must-see movies, all right? Please, Right, so Scottish football, where's it going, Ryan? How are they so bad? See, with that squad that Scotland have got, they should be far better than there. Aye. Really? Steve Clark's fault. Steve Clark's fault. I don't know, mate. I, 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 I made a point to somebody the other day, right? See if Scotland brought in Pep Guardiola mm-hmm. and we found out that somebody had went over to Brazil and shagged fucking hundreds of Brazilian birds and we had 11 superb Brazilians in the squad. See the second they put that Scotland top on, they'd all turn into fucking Wayne Biggins. Well, I mean? But, I don't uh, know right, what it is. Right, but, right, right. Look back, Walter Smith's time, even Stratton's to an extent. 
I think McLeish maybe gets sacked for less than what Steve Clark's doing. Should he not have a team or a system at least that he knows is going to work so far? Yeah. See, if you take Steve Clark as your manager, you want to install a plastic pitch. Mm. That's how he done so well at Kilmarnock. And I I know that that's maybe, I'm maybe selling him short, but what else has he done apart from that, really? Do you know, I think, there's a, I think there's a bit of a conspiracy here that I believe that Jaws okay, Bully, Levine, Malky Mackay, McLeish, it feels like they're all just the fucking one manager rolled into one. Nothing changes. I don't think anything changes, mate. Nothing changes. What's, what was the deal with, um, so, right, Tierney and Robertson played, did, did Robertson play, what did Robertson he play? played as a wing-back and uh, Tierney played as a left centre-back, a left-side centre off. Do you think there's something in that, the fact that he just feels he's got to play there too because of who they are? I think it, you've got... To be fair, you know I mean? I, I'm going to say something here. I think Andy Robertson was fucking shite in the both of the games. It's as though he, he's not quite the player unless he's got his hundreds of millions of pounds worth of talent running about him. Either that or he just doesn't get up for the Scotland games. And that, for me, as the Scotland captain, is completely unforgivable. And but I don't think I don't think that. I don't think. I think, that, I don't think, no, yeah, I think Andy, Andy Robertson has made himself into a player. He's won the Champions League. He's won the Premier League down in England, and now he's playing for Scotland. I think the blame then falls on Steve Clark. I don't think it's Andy Robertson. I you see if you say Andy, you can't say that Andy. Because I, I personally believe that probably Andy Robertson, who's doing there with all the five-star elite players, man, when he comes up here, he's probably right, man, fucking let's show, because he probably gets ribbed in training or that, I fucking Scottish football, the Scotland team. Aye, but listen, you can do, you can say, say, right, come on, let's go, but he's going out onto that pitch and he's fucking, he's not, he's not cutting the mustard, man. Mm. I'm sorry, but he's not. Aye, but, right, so, right, you look at that, you look at that Scotland team, right, that's so Scotland, man, right, you're going to then turn on your best player Mm. and go, Mm -hmm. he's shite. But he wasn't no, no, no. the best player, though. What? He was, you're saying that he was... All right. No, I'm saying he is on paper, probably. Aye, on, on paper, but you don't play football on paper, Stevie. You play it on grass. I know. And he's no fucking doing the business on the pitch. Who is, but? It, well, you, uh, that's an thing, but you should be looking at your captain to set an example. Right. Right. What's what, 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 what formation did they play against Israel? I, no, I don't think even fucking right, Steve Clark knows what right, fucking right, formation right, so see, right, so see Andy Robertson, who's the captain, and there's so much pressure on him to perform. If you're going out there and you can't even tell me what formation they played on Friday against Israel and then the other night, how can you just pick, pick one player and go, it's his fault? No, but what I'm... No, I'm not saying it's his fault. I'm no, not saying it's his fault. What I'm saying is he doesn't perform to the same standard for Scotland as he does for Liverpool. But my point is, who does? He's the only one that plays for Liverpool in the Scotland oh, squad, mate. <laughs> well, I'm saying, who does play good for Scotland? Big Lyndon Dykes. Mm. There you go. Big Lyndon. Do you know who pissed me off and all? Christy. His decision-making is shocking. Another player, again, who is probably, arguably, one of the best players in the league up here, playing against Czech Republic the other night, who fucking put a fucking makeshift team together. So you could then point the finger at it and go, you need to be doing more. You need to be doing more. There's so many they, they all They all need to be doing more. My point that I'm trying to make is you look to the captain to set the example. That's all I'm saying. I right? I, I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not bludgeoning Andy Robertson at all. Andy Robertson's a fucking tremendous footballer. 
right? But what I'm saying is the minute he puts on that Scotland strip, it's his, and that gets back to my point that I made before, it's as if when they put that jersey on, their fucking ability deteriorates by about 50%. It's Aye, weird. But mate, I think that then falls down to Steve Clark. See if you're a player going on international duty and you go into that dressing room and Steve Clark is telling you, we're playing this system, I'm going to put Scott McTominay, who's a centre-mid, centre-half, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. I think right, all your right, fucking right, enthusiasm right. for the game just goes out the fucking Monday. Because I don't think he knows what his best team is. He doesn't know what his best system is. So what chance have the fucking players got? Yeah. Well, that's, that's a fair point, mate. I'll hold my hands up to that. That's a fair point. Let's get a mere upbeat. It was a good discussion. It was. Like Let's that. get a mere upbeat one, but... What about the fucking straight out the crystal rumour mill? Mark Miller. That's what I want to talk about. Ah, the right. The, the <laughs> X-Men comics and what have you is teamed up with his hometown club, my hometown club, mm. Albion Rovers, to allow fans of them and 21 other lower league teams to broadcast live games. Right, it's a state-of-the-art streaming system that they're using. Uh, it uses robots to film the games. Now, that is a, how how much does this sound like the Crystal Room? I'm honestly, Aye. but this the ref, is the ref, this the is the ref doesn't need a book. It's on an app. Who's he's got a that? fucking iPhone on his wrist to, to <laughs> book the players and all that. It's crazy shit, man. Yeah, see, see this guy, though, see Mark Miller. For, see, for your hometown especially, to see Mark Miller, he's an absolute credit, man. See the yeah. stuff that guy does. Him and his oh, wife do it in Coatbridge. It's, see, like Christmas. When he I had a panel, in it? Mm-hmm. I does that as well. He sends school to the panel. We see them all, me and Gade will see them all every year. The stuff he does, like sending Wayne's and all that, going to the cinema for free. He's an absolute, he's just an absolute gentleman. And a, he's, yeah. a, he's, a, he's a legend, man, he is. He's a legend. What about, what about that piece of kit that he's using? See that, is it the Pixie Lot or something? I've Googled it to see how the much Pixie, it costs. The Pixie Lot, that's a fucking <laughs> singer, you mad man. <laughs> <laughs> it's not far after that, whatever the, vid- the video is called. It's called Pixie something. Um, the technology is amazing, but what is it? Is there just going to be like one for every every stadium, and that's going to pick up everything? I mean, I did watch how it works, but is that the only? It looks as if there's only going to be one guy that turns up on the day, presses start, and that's it. Buff. Well, that's, that's it. There's, there's, you don't need a camera crew for this, which Aye. is a huge thing, mm-hmm. right? But I. I'm maybe going down the, the rumour mill side of things again, but Mark Miller's got a huge connection to Netflix. Yeah, I man. think this is I think this is Netflix dipping their toes into sport. And to be honest with you, I, I'm all for it, man. Do you remember back in the day when they wanted SPL TV or I, Fan TV or something? And it all fell to bits. But I can't remember exactly why it fell to bits. See if the Scottish teams could get this in, or the Scottish teams and be in control of their own image rights and their own their own game footage and all that. Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. can only be good for Scottish football. It really can. And the, he's a forward-thinking man that's clearly, clearly trying to do something here. I, I genuinely do think this is the future. It was good. To, it was good seeing as well. Matt Miller. He was talking about you know these uh, the, the games that they're going to put on, and he's saying he was saying on the news. Look, he wants fucking that you know expats that are San Francisco to tune in and watch Albion Rovers, but he also wants other Americans to see it as well. It would be amazing if that didn't take off because he has got a name, and, and you're right. Totally, he could have connections to Netflix, mate. Honestly, yeah, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised if he gets gets involved with other things as well. It's mm-hmm. because this 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 is the way football has gone, man. With the 
with the, the, the match, you know, the club's pay-per-view and stuff like that. Yep, Things are going yep. to change in the next couple of years, man. I think in the next few years, Sky and stuff like that is going to be obsolete. Clubs, I mean, club, clubs are going to have their own TV, man, their own setup, their own TV channels, and it's going yep. to be accessible for supporters, and it's going to be tied in as a package with your season book and all that shit. Do you know what I mean? That's right. where I am. And, and also, like, you don't know how long this is going to last with the, with the coronavirus stuff. Exactly. But it's a future trip. It's a future. So on the show today, we welcome the current Dumbarton manager, Jim Duffy, and Chris had a reprieve on last week's Legends Lottery, so gets another shot today. And on the big question we're asking, has a footballer ever bitten back at you after you said something to him? But now, Jim White, look out, there's a new kid in town. It's Chris Tony's Rumour Mill. There we go. Celtic are working on a deal for QPR's Nigerian winger Bright Asai Samuel. The talented 22-year-old who can play in either flank has entered in the final year of his deal with the Championship Club having triggered an extension earlier this summer. QPR are said to be keen to retain their man beyond this year, but Celtic are now believed to be in a, uh, monitoring the situation. And Rangers apparently are also keeping tabs on him as well. Yep. Um, report, reports in France claim that Fiorentina are the latest club interested in Alfredo Morelos, so you can add them to the 752 teams that have been named so far. Yeah, Bayern Leverkusen, Porto, Leo. Fucking Hamilton Aki's, Juventus. Eric. <laughs> Uruguay, Brazil. Imagine Celtic signed him. Oh, mate, do you know what? I was, I was worried that Leeds were going to sign him. Oh, I, I don't know if I can support him. I don't know. Yeah, I don't you could, man. <laughs> right, Hibernian are interested in free agent Scott Fraser, the former Dundee United midfielder, who's most recently been at Burton Albion. Roma, listen to this one, right? I, this sounds as if it's made up, this one, right? Roma have had a strong interest in Celtic outcast volleyball and golly and could make an offer in the coming days. Serie A giants like the look of the left back despite his quarantine antics and are considering a move to take him to the Eternal City. Um, and finally... What would that be for him? I know, it would. It'd be mental, what wouldn't it? Finally, finally, lads, the day has come. The day has come where we can announce that Aaron Hickey has signed for a club <laughs> Bologna. He signed a four-year deal with Bologna, uh, subject to a medical. Erinie, he's going to fail the medical. It's a certainty, and it? it's a fucking. You know, it's funny, I seen that, Bob, because see when I seen him at the airport yesterday, and and all the all the journals were there, and they're getting. <laughs> was he London? <laughs> <laughs> no, but see when he was holding up the Italian flag and all that, and he kept going like that. Ah, it's great to play, you know, get a chance to play at San Siro and game. But I mean, I need to pass my medical first. He kept saying that then. And I just thought, and, and this is horrible saying this, but he's got the Italian flying, he's posing at the airport. It would just be the hang on it and for somebody Scottish for that to happen to I, him, wouldn't it? Feel the medical, man. I'm telling you, I can see it happen, man. Fingers crossed it. Everything goes through for the boy, you know what I mean? Aye. Aye. I'm yeah, fucking fed up talking about him. <laughs> I know but Don't worry We'll no need to worry About Andy Robertson shortly He'll be the new Scotland left back anyway <laughs> Football daft With G4 claims Been involved In a road traffic accident Call them now On 01698 767 172 I need to tell you About this first Can I have a guess What happened to me right, well, uh, okay. I fell through the window Of a golf accessory shop Right Absolute nightmare I had to go to A&E I was that bad. But the doctor right. said I should be okay, but I'm not out of the woods yet. Hey! <laughs> <laughs>
Are you feeling a wee bit rough? Hey! Ladies and gentlemen, around the girls. Ladies and gentlemen, if you've just joined us, this is Jim from G4 Claims. He just started off there with a wee uh, golf joke. Jim is from G4 Claims. We're a very favourite absolute company in the whole entire world. Jim, take it away. Tell us a bit more about G4 Claims. Right, if you're involved in a non-fault accident, G4 Claims can supply you with a replacement vehicle. And they can get your car repaired at a, repair a body shop of your choice. We can also do your personal injury claims. If you're injured in an accident, we can do your personal injury claim and claim full compensation for you. Give G4 Claims a call on 01698 172. Also, we'll pay you a commission if you refer to today. Get on the phone if you have a non-fault accident. Now listen, guys. Hope you have a cracking show. Good to catch up again. Yeah, no, Jim, Jim, Jim. You did a G4 catchphrase, man. I'll start it off and then you all come in at the second verse, That's right? That's all we do. Right. G4 claims, not a fault claims, made easy. The Legends Lottery on Football Daft. Right, let's see if we get this feature back in track. Once again, our Football Daft time machine is a bit like Bill and Ted. Find a famous football player from back in the day to come on a Legends Lottery each week. One of the team is tasked with finding a formal hero, former hero and getting them on the show. Then you rate how good they were out of five. So, Stevie Boy, all shell suit Bob, is on 19.3. Chris is second on 13.9. Well, I'm a wee bit back in the game. I'm on 12.5 after an absolute terrific score from my cousin Gary, who was a mascot at Kilmarnock. But that could all change now as it's Chris's turn as he did get a bye, which is fair enough. I did dispute it a wee bit, but fair's fair. Chris Toll. Uh, it's your turn last week you made an asset but uh, you're back on tracker here I will uh, as I said I wasn't I wasn't great the last couple of weeks I've not been feeling well and uh, to be honest with you it just completely went out of my mind that I had to get the Legends lottery in but I mean, that European result it really got to you mate that flowed you for two weeks man <laughs> fuck up you man that fucking <laughs> that European virus you had man Ferenc virus, it was called. It was called a Ferenc virus. <laughs> right, no, but hang me. Um, at, the, at the end of the day, I've pulled a fucking topper right out the heart here. Wait till you see this one, lads. He's currently playing for Ross County. He's had four spells at the club. Started his career at Celtic and he's been about a bit more. Please welcome to the show, Mr. Michael Gardine. Oh! It's oh. a good one, mate. What's happening, Michael? How you doing? Thanks very much for coming on the show, mate. You've saved my fucking bacon. Honest to God. Look, another handsome bastard ever be doing These handsome football players that come on, man. Well, I'll tell you a story, right? This is the reason why how me and Michael got in contact in the first place, right? So, we're sitting watching Celtic versus Ross County. And my boss says, when did he sign for Ross County? That must have cost him a fortune. He's talking about Michael. I'm like, what are you talking about? She says, you must have... Co- That's that messy, ain't it? She thought you were fucking messy. She thought you were the double of messy. <laughs> and see, when I looked at you, I was like, by the way, he fucking does look a bit like messy right enough. But aye, eh. Uh, so, mate, you've got he's an inside scoop, man, while you're staying at Barca now? Staying <laughs> at Barca, mate, I've chucked that. <laughs> I don't fancy the English friend with Man City, so I'm just going to stay at Barca. Fair dues, mate. Fair dues. <laughs> Thanks very much for coming on. I know you're, I know you're strapped for time. Uh, you've got to pick up the wings, but 
Uh, just just a wee a wee quick chat about uh, your career and stuff like that and how things are going and how for you and hopefully you get hammered at the weekend. No offence, right? But well, anyway, we'll we'll go for it. Uh, how's how's the life at Ross County now, mate? Ah, all good, mate. All good. We've had a we've had an, an all right start, I'd say. Um, we could have been doing with picking up uh, more points against likes of Livingston and Kelly and that because uh, we're next four or five are tough ones. Obviously, we've got Celtic, Aberdeen, Hibs, Rangers. So, um, that's an easy 12. That's an easy 12 points for you, Zerad. By the way, you've had some start to the season, I must admit. Brilliant. Aye, it's been no bad. So, um, but a tough one Saturday. Aye. Nah, nah. Nah. You'll be brand new, mate. You'll be brand new. Aye, mate. Apart from that, how's life treating you with the whole lockdown hang and stuff like that? Aye, mate, it was all right. Um, first couple of weeks was a bit, uh, Naughty, but then you just go into the swing of things. Um, I've got a wee one in Dundee and I've got two in Inverness. I don't hang about, obviously. So, um, so between the, the getting the kids, uh, it was it was all good. So you think me? You've had four four different spells at Ross County, right? That's a bit nuts for a start. But uh, apart from that, you played for Morton and the United Kilmarnock as well. Um, I'm assuming Ross County is probably the favourite. Your favourite club that you've played for, I would be right. Uh, it's just, I don't know what, what the, the thing is, just seem, every time I come back and that, I seem to do well and stuff, so um, I was buzzing for the move to Dundee United, to be fair, but just went to be a bit sour uh, with me and Jackie McNamara, but coming back here, I seem to be doing all right, so it's so always good. Was Jackie Mike murder? He was just like, I don't know, he was just, me and him just didn't see eye to eye. I'm, I'm sure some, something must have happened when I was uh, I was a young boy at Celtic when Jackie was first team. I must have I must have done a poo in one of his socks or something. Because <laughs> he just didn't like me at United, and I was I was performing fine in training and stuff. So I'm not I'm not sure what what it was that he didn't like me. Look, for me, any time you play against Celtic, obviously, that, that'll be the most times that I've seen you playing is against Celtic, right? You always tend to stand out, you know, and it's a uh, I don't know why somebody wouldn't want you in the team because you, all, you, you always tend to be the, one of the better players in, in any squad that I've seen yet. So, uh, basically, Jackie McNamara, he, he reeked what he sowed with that one, didn't he? Out in his arse. Anyway, uh, what's, what, what else is the... What about your time at Kilmarnock? Was that, how was that? I, it was actually really good. Um, I got uh, really pally with that big blue nose, uh, Chris Boyd. Actually, right. I one of the best guys, one of the best guys I've ever met, ever played. Well, honestly, he's, he's like Boydie. Aye, great guy, man. Aye, so you you supply. I dare say you supply Boydie a few days. Aye, it was I played the number ten just off him. He's a moody, greedy big. Could you swear? <laughs> oh, big bastard! Ah, he's 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 a greedy big bastard, like, but um, <laughs> but brilliant, like. I, I was I was still twenty seven, twenty eight, and I learned a lot from him playing with him, like. Um, he was brilliant, just that eye for a goal. But that season as well, he got fitter. Eh? I, I made him lose a wee bit of weight in that, and it's the best shape he's ever been. That was the season he ended up bagging about 23 goals for Kelly that season. Right, remember that? Right. He went back to yeah. Rangers at the end, didn't he? I did, I, I got him moved back to Rangers, so it was all good. <laughs> what's, what's the aim this season, mate? Where do you, where's Walsh County? Where can you see yourselves finishing? Obviously, like, um, you want to see this, like, we want to stay up in that, obviously, but. You want to, uh, we stayed up last season, so you want to better it. Like, Aye. obviously, there's five, six big clubs in the league, and the rest are kind of fighting for six, seven spot. But 
there's no reason why we can't be one of the clubs that are that are fighting for you know like the last kind of top six place. Aye, the boy, what's his name? Is it Ross Stewart? Aye, big Ross. He, he started well, man. I've seen a few of your games, man. He's got a few goals, scored a couple of pens, and I've seen him, man. He looks like my fan and my fantasy team. Aye, he's a, <laughs> he's a good, good, good player, good big lad as well, and he's got um he's got better year on year because when he first came, he was that kind of raw, big, skinny striker, but. Um, fair play on he's worked hard and he works hard in training and it's obviously it's working out well for him in, in the games just now Aye. Michael how are you getting on with um, playing in these I'm calling it empty arena matches as if it's a wrestling but what, what is that <laughs> where, how, how is, are you wearing your costumes in these empty arena matches man? <laughs> <laughs> send me up an outfit for Saturday mate and I'll wear it <laughs> Mate, hey, I've got plenty of leotards that no longer fit me, mate, so I can send them up to you, nae bother, pal. Left the sweat right on them for the last time I wrestled fucking Big Drew and that. Love a lot of money. You want one for the weekend? Guilty. Want one, aye. I mean, by the way, they'll be fucking riddled with COVID, mate. You'll never make it back. <laughs> so, um, what, what are you thinking for the weekend then? How do you think these are going to do? Um, it's still, I can They're still the champions, but, you know, they've not, they've not had the, the greatest starts for them. They'll they'll be I think they'll be feeling a wee bit of pressure because obviously they need to catch Rangers at the top of the league. So we're at home, no fans. Like most of their players have been away on international duty and stuff. You know what I mean? It's like it's still Celtic at the end of the day. It's still going to be tough, but um, but we've worked hard this week in training and stuff. We know our kind of game plan and stuff like that. So hopefully we could take the training what we've done onto the pitch. Here's hoping, Michael. Here's hoping, mate. <laughs> Listen, Michael, I'll, I'll let you get I'll let you get going, mate, and go and get the kids. I really appreciate you coming on the show. Thanks, cool, that mate. was a good one, mate. That was I a good like one. that one, eh? I, I pulled that one. Aye, that was a good one, mate. You're, you're just in the back catalogue. All these pros we've had on the show that just are all handsome, man, and put us free to shame, man. I know, man. I'm, I'm, sitting here, I'm sitting here looking like a fucking tatty. No, I mean, he comes on all, all quaffed and all that. And fun. Look like Matt Lucas, mate. You look like Matt Lucas. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, welcome to Football Daft with Matt Lucas and Screech for Saved by the Bell up the top there, John. <laughs> <laughs> so, so he does. Dustin Diamond. Hey, cool, thanks a lot, my man. Cheers, Strips. Get me on again. Good luck, Saturday, my man. I will get you on as a main guest, bro. Thanks very much. I'll on, mate. And we'll have some proper banter. Aye, 100%. Cheers, Thanks, Michael. Cheers. Bye bye. Football Dafts, big question. Right, Cole, so Gredo's had to nip off for a while. He'll be back soon, but... Aye, uh, he's away for one of the sit-down pushies that he does. <laughs> so, <laughs> he, he might be sometime. <laughs> so, let's just crack on with a big question without him, wait him come back, right? Well, so, right. fans, nay fans, fans, we don't know when they're going to be back into the stadium, right? But this week, we've put it out there, the big question is, have you ever gave abuse to a player and he's gave it back? When you've been at a football game, like, I think I'd shake myself at arms. Yeah, well, this this was back in the Brockville days. He you would know. eat you up and spit you, Screech. <laughs> well, I don't understand where this Screech stuff's coming from. Mate, have you seen Screech recently? Yeah, he's double. <laughs> right, right. Some people have made the remark in the past that I do like Screech for saved by, save by the bell. I don't well, see God and Petridge, man. He would pick you up, mate. Right, well, Gordon Petrich was playing for Dundee United at the time when I was, you know, I was a young lad, I was stupid, it was like 12, 13, he was playing for Dundee United, 
and we're giving it. He comes over for a throw in, um, right? And you know how Brockville is so tight, and you're right up against it, right up against. Because we're giving him all dogs abuse, and he basically just turns around to us and makes the gesture of you points at me and goes like that as as and and if you're not if you're just listening as a, I'm making the the gesture of a breast. So basically, <laughs> effectively, Gordon Petrich called me a tit, uh, but I don't know if he, he could, you know, in the translation, obviously, he didn't know the word tit, and I'm sure he would have called me it, but he did make the motion of calling me a tit by symbolising a breast towards me. So I, Gordon Petrich, basically called me a tit. So, by the way, that, you get away lightly there, because that could have turned out a lot worse for you, John. It could have, he, was, he was a big lad. He's a big boy, man. I thought you'd be here today, mate. We no, be but I thought, you know, there must be other people out there that have, you know, thought they're billion belly big boys and shouting at a footballer and then the footballer's turned around and said something back to them and we put it out to the listeners. Well, this, my, my brother-in-law was at the game, right, at a Rangers game a couple of seasons ago and he sits in the governing front and he said, there's a few players getting Daniel Candias abuse, right? And Daniel Candias turned around and pointed there at one of the boys and kept staring at him and saying, outside, Forgetting it. Candice was asking for a square go inside. Daniel Candice was wanting a square go with one of the punters, man. I'll meet you outside at five o'clock, big man. I'll, I'll get you at the front doors. At <laughs> the front doors. Right. <laughs> right, so we've got Aidan here. It was a few years after he retired for football, but James Allen for Las Vegas called me an ugly wee bastard outside Fat Sam's in Dundee. <laughs> <laughs> brilliant, man. That's brilliant. Jeez, Jeez, oh. hey, Graham, at an under-18s game back in the day, big rab the defender was getting grief from our assistant manager. He then lost the plot, ran over, and the two started boxing. Game abandoned. Oh, well fucking hell. Well done, uh, big rab. Stuart says he can remember Jim Chapman at Clyde. After they lost to Elgin, he squared up to some fans after the game. A few days later, he left us. Then Barry Ferguson came in, but that's an all story altogether. Bob Malcolm like, saw that tweet and uh, put a reply to it with just laughing emojis. So I don't know what that means. <laughs> hey, Joe says, Charlie Adam a few months ago after he said Morelos was worth 8 million, told him he was a disgrace and no better than Chris Mutton, told him ex-players should support the club and be positive and stop bowing to the filth-run media, ended up messaging back and forth for half an hour. Clubber got offered outside after the match by Colin West once at Tanadice for calling him a shite. <laughs> <laughs> Gav had a full-blown slagging match with Alex Ray when he was Dundee manager. They were playing Motherwell. Stewards came to chuck me out and he told them to leave me alone as he was enjoying the banter. LOL. Always liked the guy after that. That's the way it should be, isn't it? It's exactly it. A bit of banter, you know what I mean? Uh, Davy. Yeah, David was the last one to get in touch with us about this. He was away at Tanadice circa 2005. He had a goalie talk that said, Klaus won their goalie on the back. This was, this was in support of Klaus being replaced as number one by Waters. I held it up as the players were walking off eh, after the warm-up. Klaus applauded me and Waters gave me the fingers. <laughs> <laughs> a couple of late entries as well that just came in. Um, this one from Mark. Nacho Novo called me an asshole in Silverburn because I was giving him stick about Rangers. Then I was sat next to him on a flight to Tenerife a year later. <laughs> but he's actually a nice guy, so I had, to, I had a laugh about it. And this one from Andy. You'll enjoy this one, Stephen. I called Nuno Capuccio shite outside the Ibrox once, and he signed my shirt. The rage I felt after that. 
Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. Oh, oh man, they were the days, man. Brilliant. Cheers for everybody for getting in touch. Football daft with G4 claims. Been involved in a road traffic accident? Call them now on 01698 767 172. Stitch Fix is an online personal styling company that makes getting the clothes that you love effortless. It's a completely different way to shop and it's all about you every time. To get started, go to stitchfix.co.uk forward slash daft to set up your profile and they'll deliver great looks personalised just for you and your colours, your styles and they match your budget. You pay a £10 styling fee for each fix which is then credited towards anything that you keep. So um, you can schedule it at any time. There's no subscription required. Plus, shipping returns and exchanges are easy and free. John, you were saying that you're due a wee delivery, my man. Am I right? I am. Listen, I, you know, I'll always rave about Stitch Fix because I love it. Because it's just that wee surprise. You know, it's like getting presents at Christmas. The wee box Aye. comes through the door and you get all the You know, we've got super dry, original penguin stuff, nice stuff. And you can obviously suit it to your needs. But I got my email today and it says, your fix is on the way. So next oh, week on wow. the show, I'll be coming wow. on with all the new cobber, looking pretty dapper in that, you know. Stylish so, John, man. Stylish John. No, it's great. You should yeah. definitely get on to this. Like I say, you like, go through the kind of style guide and you get to select what sort of stuff you like. And you get your wee box and you can choose. It could become every month. It could come every couple of months. You could get one a week if you wanted for the big spenders that work in River City. You know, that could be a good <laughs> one too. So I definitely, I, I honestly get on it. It's, it's good chat and really, really good service. I genuinely get a badge. I know, it's good. Like I say, my missus and her pals are involved with it as well. They, they, love, they love it all. Um, but see the thing is, right, Stitch Fix, it, it does all the hard work for you, right? So it makes a great style effortless for you, for both men and women. So there's no reason for you not to get started today. So it's stitchfix.co.uk forward slash daft. Make sure you use the show name to support our podcast at stitchfix.co.uk forward slash D-A-F-T. Right, and batter and you will all be looking a million bucks. Now it's time to try and give away a case of Beer 52 as we once again play the Pro Set Playoff. In my hand, I have the 91-92 Pro Set cards and basically we describe the player and you guys have got to guess who it is to try and win a crate of beer. Um, so today playing, coming from Campbelltown, it's Bobby DL who's an Aberdeen supporter. Hi Bobby. Good to meet you lads. Welcome, you Bobby. Bobby, welcome. Thanks for coming on my man. No Listen, problem. Bobby, I've got some bad news for you, mate. Last week, the guy absolutely torched us and took four cases of beer with him. So you're nice. down to one, my man. You're down to one. I know, but who's a man doing living in Aberdeen supporting the Rangers? Ah, that's what I said. Yeah, it's all about. And do you know that's what he said to me, Bobby? He said, you'd be surprised there's loads of us. So you took a right shiny him, didn't you, Tom? Ah, I liked yeah. him. He was a lovely fella. Yeah, tell me about Campbelltown, mate, because uh, this, this might surprise you, right? But I went to be a policeman three times and I had three police interviews, right? Then he ended up on a sitcom. <laughs> Actually, I got rid of all my kind of... Like, what I always wanted to do was put on the uniform. So once I'd done that with Scott Squad, I was, I was brand new because that was one of my like, the thrills that I had putting on a police uniform. Anyway, the guy, the, the, every time I got an interview, right, the woman went, you know, we do cover the film of Strathclyde. 
you could be posted to Campbelltown. Every, in every interview, that's what they said to me. What's so bad at Campbelltown? We seem to get other new polis here. Is that, what they do? Is, that what they, is that the deal they send or the polis to use? Uh, I think it's because there's so many Rangers fans down here. They've got a lot of polis. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> and Gredo would have fit it right in. He wouldn't have arrested them, did uh, <laughs> Funny handshakes and all that, Bobby, you know what I mean? <laughs> Loads of them. Loads of them down here. It's 90% Rangers fans in Campbelltown. Love it, mate. Brilliant. Superb. Shout out to Campbelltown. I'm going to retire there, man. I'm going to move here. I'm going to retire. Yeah. <laughs> Rangers, even, before, even 2012 when they died, they keep supporting that new club ah. as well. Hey, right, Bobby, thanks for joining us. Hey, Bobby. Right, okay, so, Bobby, uh, you've Bobby, got that. Bobby, you're coming on Sherry next week, mate. I don't yeah. want Owen fucking... I don't want to be this cunt, because I know he's... Hey, <laughs> 42. Right, so, mate, there's no way he can verse me, because he's going to absolutely scud me if he plays me this kill well, game. I don't want well, scud We'll find out who he's going to play in a minute. The rules are really simple, guys. As I said, read the description of footballer. You buzz in when you know the answer. But if you do buzz in, you can't buzz in again. If no one gets it before the end of the description, we turn the card over so you can see the player. Um, we'll do the draw first, the two wins. Um, so we're going to do the draw here. Bobby, who do you want to play? Hey, well, the Aberdeen Lake Tigers get one on the Rangers. So either Bob or Grado. Right, oh, <laughs> I don't want to play, mate. Nah, right, yeah, hanging on stuff, I'm It is Grado again. <laughs> 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 this one. You're at it, I think it's only Grado's name that's in that hut. <laughs> it seems to be the last couple of weeks, right? So hey, here okay. we go, Bobby. What's your buzzer going to be? Mowing the sheep. Right. Grado, what's yours going to be? Uh, mine's is going to be... Moo. <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> Well, what are you screwing your face at, Bob? He's gone sheep. I'm going to move for the cow, no? Right, it's fine. It works. Listen, it works. Would Aberdeen fans bullied online for this? Nah, it's actually just good banter, mate. Hey, okay, then. Right, right, here we go, then. First player out of the 91-92 Pro Set cards. It's a St Mirren midfielder. This player made his league debut in 1986 after joining St Mirren from Linwood Rangers Boys Club. He's a player with match-winning skills. Uh, Ian Ferguson. No, I'll continue. Uh, he's now enjoying his sixth season at Love Street. He's established as a regular first-teamer and is comfortable playing at Premier League level. St Mirren midfielder. Do you want me to turn the card, Bobby? Yeah, the card. Yep. Who's that? Me, Paul Lambert. Fuck's sake. Move. Uh, money sheet, Paul Lambert. <laughs> yep, you're right. Well done, Bobby. Gradle was that was disqualified, so he gave you the answer. So one 0 to you. Oh, um, fuck's sake, Gradle, you're keeping beer fifty two in fucking business. Here. <laughs> <laughs> Next player, uh, here we go. An Aberdeen defender, right up your street, here, Bobby. Oh, this is a quick one. This is a quick one <laughs> This player first tasted league action for Falkirk in 1984 before joining Aberdeen just over a year later. On the ship, Gary Smith. Gary Smith, you say? Yeah. You're wrong. I'll continue. Great. Oh. Here you go. He's established himself in the centre of defence, replacing the folk hero Willie Miller. No easy task. He's now in his seventh season at Petodre and made his full international debut for Scotland against Romania in 1991. Centre-half for Aberdeen, Scotland cap. Do you want me to turn the card, Gredo, so you can see him? Uh, I will. I suppose turn the card, that'll probably help me. Bobby nah. knows who it is now. Nah, Christ, the cup winner. 
Is that oh, fuck me, man? Is that Brian Irvin? No. Yeah. One one. Yeah. Here we go. This is the decider, boys, and it's a Hearts midfielder. This player is an R player to have joined Rangers from Gartcosh United. Signing in 1983, he made his league debut for Rangers the following year. He had a spell on loan to Dundee during the 89-90 before joining Hearts the following term. Undoubtedly talented, he has won international honours at schools, youth, under-21 and full levels for Scotland. Hearts midfielder, formerly of Rangers. Money sheep. Bobby. John, John Cahoon. No, wrong. Gredo. John Cahoon for Derek, Rangers. Turn the boys, Derek Ferguson. Derek Ferguson. Aye. Two <laughs> <Gredo>. <laughs> Get out well of here, Bobby. <laughs> well played, big <laughs> man. <laughs> Zoom handshake, my man. All the best. Catch you later. <laughs> See you later, man. Okay. <laughs> well played, Bobby. Uh, it means there's now going to be two crates of Beer 52 up for grabs next week. So if you want to get involved in playing next week, get us on Twitter at Football Daft. Uh, winners must be over the 18 and stay in the UK. And of course, remember, you can get a case of Beer 52 right now. Beer52.com forward slash daft. We'll only charge you 4 95 for the postage and packaging. You'll get a crate of beer from some of the best small batch breweries around the world. Whatever your taste, you've got IPAs in there, you've got lagers, you've got dark beer, stouts, whatever you fancy, hit up beer52.com forward slash daft and get your first case of beer on us. Football Daft with G4 Claims. Find them on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram at G4 Claims Limited. Right, folks, let's welcome to Football Daft, a man who is a player made his name as a no-nonsense defender at the likes of Morton, Dundee and Partick Thistle. As a manager, he was one of the youngest ever in Scotland, taking on Falkirk before spells at Dundee, Hibs, Brecon, Clyde and Morton. He's now in charge of Dumbarton. It's the one and only legendary Mr Jim Duffy. How you doing, Jim? Thanks very much for coming on the show. No, I'm good, uh, yeah, good to, good to speak to you. How's it going, Jim? Is it, yeah, um, I'm just, I'm just the first thing that because obviously when we go, uh, we get a guest on, we always look at Wikipedia, right? But one yeah. of the first things it says is you were brought up in Maryhill, and Charlie Nicholas was your neighbour. Is that true? Yeah, yeah we stayed through the wall each other, it's, just right, right amazing, through. man. So right. was it just used when you were young, just out playing football in the street? How did, how did it go about? Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I stayed 47 Glenfinnan Road. He was 49, so we're th- through the wall. Uh, I we just, we just grew up. I mean, I, I went. Uh, his man and dad, my man and dad knew each other from uh, Kikadens, and then we moved to Maryhill. Uh, well, Charles is about three years younger than me, so I went to the same uh, class as his sister Janice, and then we, the families were always pals anyway. And just coincidentally, we moved next door. So when we went out and played street football in those days, and I, he, as I said, even though he was younger, he was such a, a talented football player that um, he played with all. Was kind of older guys at that time, um, and you know another another boy played in the same street as and, and just lives you know maybe twenty thirty yards away from us was Andy Robertson's dad, which was Brian right. Robertson. So Andy Robertson knew knew the you know captain of Scotland and plays for Liverpool. So yeah, there was a I mean it was just a an era where everybody went out and played. We had you know every boy in the street and and the surrounding streets all played, but we yeah we stayed next door to each other. It's like a who's who of Scottish football on that street then, isn't it? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, there was, there, as I say, there was a kind of one, one or two, but there was a lot, of, a lot of good players. I mean, I think you know yourself. You, you, you play football. You play with your pals. 
you know, I, I had guys, I think, were much better players than me, but they maybe didn't dedicate themselves quite the same. So they liked a, a drink and a fag or whatever happened to be, or a sniff of the glue at that time. <laughs> Either way. But, <laughs> but uh, that, that was it. And they, 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 they kind of drifted in different ways. And some of them, don't get me wrong, some of them played junior football for years and all these kind of things. But at, at that time when you're trying, if you're right here, try and give it a go somewhere, then they're, they're, they maybe went off in a different a, a different uh, direction than I did. So, Jim, at the start of the year, you had a wee heart scare. How are you feeling now, mate? All good? Aye, I mean, completely out of the blue. I mean, I think everybody, you know, generally that knows me, uh, no, I don't drink and I don't smoke. I've never, I've never drank even, you know, I've, I've been completely teetotal. So the last time I drank, I was 16. So... Uh, so from that point of view, I wasn't the stereotypical kind of person to have a heart attack, uh, but but it happened, and you know you just have to you know there's you know you sometimes like anybody gets an illness, you always think well, how did it happen to me, uh, and then you, you you kind of get a bit bogged down with that for a for a, a wee while, but then you've just got to think well it's, it's done, let's move on and look forward. So that's what I'm doing. But I, I feel pretty good now, so no no real issues and. Uh, well, hopefully it was a scared nothing more than that. So, Jim, <coughs> back to your, your career and stuff. You started at Celtic. Mm-hmm. Uh, were, you, were you disappointed not to get a chance there at Celtic when you were there? Oh, aye. Uh, I mean, I think that uh, first when, when, when you first sign, you, you kind of tend to think you, you're a bit overwhelmed by it all. You know, you walk in the door and there's all these superstar star players and guys that you, you, know, you watched or you grew up watching or whatever it happens to be. So you maybe don't think you're you know, you, you justify being there. So it probably took me about a, a good year, I would think, you know, to, to actually feel comfortable. And it's only when other players start to tell you. So likes of Tommy Burns and Johnny Doyle, um, the guys like that, they would say to me, Murdo McLeod, oh, you're, you, should be, you should be in the first team or you should be this. And then you start to think, well, I must be doing okay. But it, t- it does take a while. And then eventually, you know, you, you come to a point where you enjoy playing and you want to go and play first team football. So... I had, I had no problem with it. It was a decision that, I mean, again, as I got older, you learn, as you make as a manager, it's no personal. You just think, I need to get success or I need to get results. So you play the players accordingly. And I was a wee bit unlucky once or twice where I get injured at key moments when I was maybe on the fringes, I was on the bench, and, I, and maybe the next week I get an, an injury somewhere and that set you back and then you maybe miss your chance. But listen, overall, um, it gave me a chance to to get us in, in, in the, the kind of football, professional football uh, ladder, or first step in the ladder. So it gave me a chance. And then after that, I, you know, I'm still, I'm still in it. So I can't, I can't really complain about that. And Aye. as I said, I, I still had a really good time here. met a lot of good guys. So you, you had to retire pretty early because you had an injury, Jim. Um, what, that must have been hard on all. What was, what was going through your mind at that point? I think that's probably the hardest thing because I was 28. I was, you know, I was playing really well, you know, all that kind of stuff. You, you, you became a kind of, you know, an important player in your team, and your know, team was looking quite good, and you know, it's all the kind of things. My kids were really young. Uh, in fact, my son um, was the the he he was the I think three I think, and my daughter was actually born the week after I got injured. So I had a really young family, you know, obviously you've got a mortgage, you've got these things and you just don't know what to do with yourself then, you know, so you're thinking, what, what am I going to do? So it's a bit kind of devastating uh, when you're told, you know, you, you've got, you get an injury, the surgeon then 
you know, takes you in and then gives you this big long list of things which is the matter with you. And then you say, well, look, but it's all medical terms, you know, and you're thinking, what's he on about? I say, well, what are you tell me? He said, well, I'm telling you, I'll never play professional football again. And then that, that's when you, you, you know, gets a lump in the throat and you take a step back. So, yeah, but then you've got to recover for that. So, listen, again, as I said, it's, it's one of those things that's maybe, it maybe tests your character at times. And, and again, for a few months, you're, you're a bit flat and a bit kind of, what am I going to do? And then, and then you just have to move, you have to look, you have to look at, you, as I said, I don't, uh, well, at that time, as I said, I think, I think if I remember right, it was September the 5th, my daughter was born September 18th. So you've got a wee baby, you've got a young son, so you've then got to think, well, I need, I need to date, I need, I've got a family here, I need to date something. So you kind of feel sorry for yourself too long. And yeah. I, I did tell, having, having, having a, a young family and a new daughter, because that, that helped your focus and allowed Gave you, you to, a bit as well. to, to move on. Aye. Exactly, right. it helped you to kind of look forward and say, right, I need to get my ass off the of, of, of couch and start to start right. to look forward now. Gave you a bit of perspective that winter. So you right. moved into you moved into managing at twenty eight year old. That is pretty right. much unheardy, you know. Right. Um, you must be one of the youngest managers in Scottish football history. Um, I, I think I think as I said at the time, I was the youngest manager in Great Britain. I don't know because obviously people they have player manager roles and all these kind of things now. But I, I mean, I was 28, I think, when I went to Airdrie's assistant with big Gordon McQueen. He, he'd come up to take the job. And I, I didn't even know Gordon. I just met him at a coaching course because I thought I'd try and get to coaching. And then within about three months, I was offered the Falkirk job. So, I, I was I was very young, very inexperienced, very naive. But um, I had full enthusiasm. So, I suppose, the, you know, sometimes uh, that energy and enthusiasm can cover a multitude of sins. So mm. tell me this one then, you walk into the Falkirk dressing room mm. and there's players that are older than you. Yeah. Right? Players that are probably a fair bit older than you. That must have been pretty daunting. I, I, no, to be honest with you, I, some people obviously that to be the problem. I didn't actually think about it. I, I knew one or two of them as well, because like, for instance, Jim Holmes, who's a pal of mine and played with me at, at Morton and was a fantastic player. Homer was there. Peter Houston and, and guys like that. So I, I did, I did know a few of the kind of older guys, that, and then there was young guys like Alec Ray, and and and, 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 and you know they were Alec was about eighteen or something at the time. So I, I, to be honest with you, I think I was that. I don't know. I, you know, you just you just get kind of you're excited. I was probably just like you know like I went at Christmas. You know what I mean? You're just you're just like this is this is great. I mean, what, you know, what, what a job I've, I've got here. So I, mean, I didn't really think too much about whether somebody was older than me or more experienced than me. As I said, I was I was you know I was naive, but I was just kind of I was just full of energy. I was full of you know full of, full of adrenaline and just wanted to try and do well. Aye. And was there any managers, Jim, that you can uh, you you base your style on? Because obviously you're going at twenty eight. There must have been managers we thought right. You're taking certain things for the experience you've had with managers before. Was there any particular managers you took a look for? I, I think I think the two guys that I took mostly was the guys at Morton was Benny Rooney and Mick Jackson, and it wasn't so much the managerial style or the coaching side of it because it was still, that was still a wee bit old fashioned and on some aspects it was more the man management. It was more how they dealt with players because they had some real characters at Morton, as I mentioned, Jim Jim Rooney and. You know, uh, Roddy Hodgson, big Andy Ritchie, I mean, uh, Davy Hayes, you know, some real strong characters and guys that, you know, weren't drinking violets, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> but but Benny and Mick handled them brilliantly and they had a great balance between them in terms of patter and 
fun and all these kind of things. But at the same time, you knew they were in charge. So I, it was, I, I think probably learned more about the, the man management style rather than how to coach a group of players or take them out in sessions. Because, listen, players just want to enjoy training. Players don't want to end overly tactical and all that kind of stuff. That's the reason I think a lot of players in this country don't travel well. Because if you go to Italy or Spain or Germany, it's very tactical, very structured. They don't like that. Hey, I'm talking even top players. There's very, very few top players have went abroad and been successful. Of course, we, we, we know a few recently, but there's been very few. If you look at it the other way around, there's been uh, hundreds yeah. of players that have came to this country, but very, very few, and even less Scottish players. That's there's funny. only a handful of players that really from Scotland that went abroad and been successful. So, so the tactically and all that kind of stuff, as long as you make things enjoyable for players and you know they, 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 they want to come into training and it's no, as I say, no like complicated, then, then you, you can normally do okay. But it's the, it's the handling the there's characters because you know they are strong and sometimes you know the they, they will they will kind of you know rebel against you a wee bit if you're trying to be too heavy handed with them. Right. So Jim, what led to you putting the boots back on? Um. Well, I I, I left Falkirk through a bit of stupidity in my part. Um. I was just I was just stubborn. In fact, that's probably the biggest way of doing it. Um, you know, the players misbehaved. I wanted to punish them. I wanted to find them all and suspend them. The club didn't want to do that. I got all that uh, later. But at the time, I'm thinking, oh, you're telling me what to do. I'm the manager. I'm telling you what to do. So I got that kind of stubborn streak in me. Uh, and I, I was just stupid and naive. So I stopped. I, I left. I resigned, um, which, was, I said, was one of the most stupidest things I've ever done in my life. But anyway, I did. Uh, because I really enjoyed the job and I really enjoyed the people that were there and they were really good to me, all these sort of things. But anyway, I, I made the mistake of leaving. So I wanted to then, um, you know, I was just thinking, well, what am I going to do? And then I was actually doing a coaching course, um, doing it largs, and I, you join in now and again. And I hadn't, I mean, I was 30, 30, maybe 31 by this time, so I got injured at 28. So it was about three years, two and a half, two and a half years down the line, I'd never played. And then um, Paul Hegarty and Paul Sturrock, naming Bannon at Dundee United guys actually said to me, you look all right. You know, you should, you should try and, you know, join in a bit more and stuff like that. And anyway, I, I joined in with a couple of training games and various things like that and felt no too bad. So I knew Tony Fitzpatrick. Again, we're talking about areas. Tony stayed not that far uh, away from me. Tony played for Paul, so I am. So did that. A year difference. But I knew Tony... And Frank McGarvey, they were at St Mern because I'd, I'd been with Frank at Celtic now. So anyway, I phoned Tony. Do you mind if I come in and train with the boys at, at Paisley and, and, and reserves and just to get myself a wee bit far? Tony says aye. So that's how it started. And then once I went in there and started kicking about with the young boys and that and enjoying it, I thought I'd give it a go again. So I did and you know, I, I limped my way through another five years. <laughs> I wouldn't say I was I wouldn't say I was uh, anywhere near the, the best but most because you're a defender you get away with it a wee bit because you can the game's in front of you so you're no all the place but I, I, it was a bit painful and it was a bit uh, I, I didn't think I was anywhere near but you know I, I managed to disguise it for most people <laughs> so your, your first spell right at Dundee succeeds Aye. Simon Stainrod and reached the League Aye. Cup final Aye. so did you regret moving for there to Hibs? 
I, well, I didn't know at the time, I didn't, because, uh, I mean, one, I got one great with Simon for a start, but when Simon left, he asked me to take the job, Simon's a real character, I mean, and uh, real, again, top of strong personality and stuff like that, but he had a great sense of humour, really dry, and a lot of people didn't get him, a lot of other managers used to say to me, I can't go that so-and-so stain rod huh. nah. because Simon would say things like when we played Rangers or we went we went for their throats and we ripped them out all that kind of stuff everybody <laughs> scared them and he wore the hat the fedora and all this kind of stuff and he swagged a swagger but I liked that and, and, and a lot of it was tongue-in-cheek and, and people who didn't know him didn't realise a lot of it was just just a bit of fun uh, and Aye. you know people got you know a bit of humour gets lost on people but um, obviously I was asked I mean I, I didn't apply for his job I, I was asked to, to, to go and, and speak to them and then they, they offered me the job. So, I mean, I went, I was going through Dundee in the, in the well, it's now the championship, it's the first division then, to, to Hibs, who's a Premier League club. So, you know, a big club. So, you know, I was again, I was 36, I think, somewhere about that. So young, 35, 36. Anyway, so, no, it was a, it was a brilliant move to get the job, but, it, it just didn't work it for me. I, I made too many mistakes. I, I tried to rush it. That was the biggest mistake I made. I tried to rush things and try and change the whole structure of things. And Alec Miller had been there for 10 years. So mm-hmm. everybody only knew Alec's way, including the players, including directors, including sponsors, everybody. Because you would say some things and say, oh, we don't do that. We don't do that. And I'm saying, well, if you'd done it better, I wouldn't be here because that's why we're doing it. So, I, so I, you then got, it then became a bit of a kind of battle of wills. And then I said, I tried to rush it, I tried to rush the style and all stuff and, and rush the, tried to reduce the age. The, 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 it was quite an old group of players and, and tried to bring guys in with potential. But in football, unless those boys realise the potential very quickly, you'll not be there to see it. So, mm-hmm. The mistakes I made was that I should have just I took my time a wee bit more and um, and maybe brought in two or three and then waited six months and brought another two or three in and so I kind of I went too quickly and it just didn't work uh, you know and, and ultimately you pay the price and you get the, you get the sack. Mm-hmm. It's a precarious job being a football manager, isn't it, man? It's fucking hell. Uh, <laughs> I mean, the, the thing is, the people that make decisions, whether they give you the job or whether they they're losing the job. Really, don't know anything about football. Really, you know, they're, they're businessmen. You know, they've been successful businessmen. A lot of them are successful businessmen, but rarely have they, you know, do they know the intricacies of, of football and how it works and the dynamics of football in a dressing room. And you're, you're asking me earlier on about the, the wee kind of fun parts is, is, you know, who 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 can get wound up, how far can you go, all these things, the personalities, and also a lot of this, the trust that you get from players. A lot of the players will tell you stuff personally. They could have relationship problems. They come and tell you. They could have, you know, any kind of things. Fa- Somebody could be ill in their family. They'll tell you, but you can't expose that to the public. And you no. can't sometimes even tell directors or owners because because they, they'll know about it. And the, and the player trusts you to, to, you know, to keep that to yourself. Uh, and in the last 10 years, the mental health aspect of football is when right through the roof to the point of being you know, really dangerously high. And the Aye. amount of players I've had come to me in one-to-one situations with, with um, you know, anxiety, depression, you know, a variety of mm-hmm. personal health issues is huge. And I don't tell any directors, but if you left out those players, those two or three players that maybe are suffering for something and you lost mm-hmm. a game, the, you know, the directors of social media will be saying, how have you left them out? You should have played those players. And you say, well, to be honest with you, it's none of your business. The boys, 
the boy is suffering from something. I can't tell you that because he trusted me not to say. So the game's changed and evolved. Um, but ultimately, you're, you're still responsible for, for the results. And, you know, you have to accept, you have to accept that. Now it's part of, part of the job. When you took care of Dundee, you took care of Thrive and Petty and had a lot of, had a lot of different players in the rest yeah. of the Caballero and Nimzadze, Novo, Julius Baroni. What was it like in that dressing room trying to deal with all the different nationalities? Aye. I was, it's strange because the first day, I, I was in pre-season, I think it was July the 1st, and when I walked out to the, the, the training ground, which was Caird Park, which is just on, just after Kingsway, Dundee, but there was a, a foreign dressing room and a UK dressing room, for want of a better phrase, because there was only a couple of English players there as well. But right. there, was two, there was actually two different dressing rooms, and all the foreign players were in it. And I'm looking at it, I'm thinking, how can this work, you know? But there was 11, there was 11 foreign players, and I think there was, at that time, maybe nine, I think it was seven Scottish, two English. Or but anyway, the next day, I'd put up two lists and completely split them. Um, so foreign Scottish, foreign Scottish, etc., and then stood in the middle of the two dressing rooms, and as they came in the door, I would say, no, you're in that one, you're in that one, and split them up to try and create a bit more harmony. And then, and then we went away pre-season, and again, I, I split them up, into, you know, because they would always want to go with their pals, and I split them up and made them come down in the morning and had to learn to say good morning, on whatever language it was. So if it was Dobre, Rano, whatever it was to be, whatever it is, you know, Czech or something like that, uh, or French, you know, but it doesn't matter what it be, but just to say good morning or hello, just to try and make these things happen. But aye, the, the language and the cultures, you have to learn it quickly. I mean, uh, we, we played Rangers at Ibrox, and Georgie Nimzadze was a phenomenal player, phenomenal player, captain of Georgia. Could have played easily, in my opinion, for the old firm, easily. Aye. But anyway, we were playing Rangers at Ibrox, and Barry Ferguson was running the show. So Barry's getting on the ball, and he's passing everywhere, and he's running the show. So, uh, am I allowed to swear here? Because I need to tell you what I'm saying. Ah, I so, so anyway, so half time comes in, and, I, and I, I've obviously I've, I've got a hoodie, Georgie. I mean, Georgie, fucking hell. Barry Ferguson's is fucking running the show there. You're fucking, you're 60 cats for Georgia. So you're out there running about like a wee fucking boy. He's fucking, I said, get fucking in about him. Da, 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 da. So I ain't a wee bit of a rant and, uh, you know, own him to try and get some sort of response. And he went out in the second half and he just walked about. Just didn't he, didn't do any running date, no response from whatsoever. So eventually I had to take him off. Aye. I get, he comes in on a Monday, speaks to him, and he, and he said to me, look, you embarrassed me, you humiliated me in front of all my teammates, I'm the Georgian captain, you've humiliated me. In front. And he was right, I did humiliate him. But I had to learn, that was something I had to learn, that wait a minute, this isn't a Scottish boy. If I'd have said that to Barry Smith or Lee Wilkie, they'd have got rolled up and smashed into Barry in the first five minutes. You know what I mean? They'd have But a different culture, you have to learn to, to, to address those type of people and know them. So after that, if he wasn't there, I had to pull him aside quietly into the corner of the dressing room and quietly say to him how good a player he was, how important he was for us. You know, we really need him playing and get inside his head a little bit. And that, 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 all those different phone players like that. I'll give you one other example. We, we Nacho, I said to them, we're playing Aberdeen. And I, and you like, obviously, before the, the game, where they to be set pieces and all that kind of stuff. So I've wrote NN, Nacho Novo, edge of the box, right? Edge of the box, corners against. So there's a corner against, and I looked, and can me Nacho stand at the front post? So I'm screaming like a banshee for the halfway line. Fucking Nacho, edge of the box. So I can see the Aberdeen boy at the edge of the box standing, nobody near him. 
Sure's fate, cross out, gets knocked to the edge of the box, the boy smashes it in. So I'm getting again, half time comes in, and I'm like, Nacho, what does that say up there on that board? Nacho, no the edge of the box. He says, What is edge of the box? <laughs> <laughs> he didn't understand it. What is edge of the box? It's Spanish. <laughs> are you, sh- are you like sure it's just that he couldn't read Jim? It's edge of the box. It's all the one word. You know what I mean? You're saying Glaswegian. You know, edge of the box. What's edge of the box? He didn't have a clue. So, so that was my fault. So I, again, you presume. So I then after that, I drew the eighteen yard, uh, the eighteen yard book. I drew the arc, and then I put his initials in the arc. That's <laughs> so again, you learn, you learn when you're dealing with foreign players and, and different Aye. cultures and stuff like that. You have to adapt a wee bit. See one of my one of my favourite players in outside the Celtic that played in Scottish football was Fabian Caballero. Right, I thought yeah. he was tremendous. I thought he was a brilliant player. Yeah. What, what happened to him? Yeah, Fabian was a, an outstanding player. He just he's another one I didn't like training. Uh, I know running. He, he liked training when the ball was out, but he didn't like running. Um, and uh, again, he, he I, mean, I think I think he was at Arsenal, and then he came. He, he, he did the obviously Ivano and that brought them in him and Kaniji and all these other kind of guys, Carranza, Juan Sara, all these kind of guys were some terrific players. But ultimately, he pretty much bust the club. But you know, F- Fabian was a terrific player. But again, like a lot of the foreign players we're seeing it now with Morelos at Rangers and all that, when they go back home and all that stuff, it's, it's a real tug of war and tug of love with them, you know, where they go back and how they come back and the condition they come back in. And I remember Fabian, did he come back for pre-season? I think he missed the first two or three weeks. And then when they come back, it was like a stone overweight, all that kind of stuff. And you're, again, you're trying to get the best out of them. But at the same token, you've got other players to be responsible. They've turned up, they've done all the hard legs. So, mm-hmm. you know, you can't just let them away with it. But the fans love them, and and sometimes again that can be difficult because you're then having to play a that a different role with the fans because they're Aye. screaming to get them on the pitch. But you're saying as a manager, you've got you've got a moral obligation to the rest of the players. Say, wait a minute, they've, they've come in here, getting run up and doing hills, and, all that, and he's he's not going to just throw on and play. So you mm-hmm. have to get a balance out. And it was funny he had a, he had a club car one day, and it was either an MOT or something, and he went to the the garage. And the guy knew me and they phoned me up and said, Jim, come down to the office and he come down and he opened up the glove compartment and there must have been about 20 empty of the big M&M packets. You know, you get in the pictures, the big, <laughs> the big two, there's about 20 packs on, all stuffed inside the glove, the glove box. So uh, he, he, liked a wee, he liked a wee chocolate and biscuit and, uh, and stuff like that. <laughs> but, but he was a good player, a really good player. Really it was, good. he was a class act, wasn't he? Was, I mean, he was... Aye, really good player. What was it? What was the reaction like when you heard Ravenelli was coming to Dundee? That must have been some buzz, that. Aye, well, what happened was, we had a director at the time, um, Giovanni De Stefano, who eventually, I think, I think he might still be um, serving under Her Majesty's <laughs> pleasure, aye. <laughs> uh, so I think he might still be uh, tasting some porridge somewhere. But anyway, um, he wanted a celebrity signing, and he kept at me. So we tried to get Gaza. And I had arranged to meet Gaza, and God love him, he, 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 he missed the, the opportunity. He came up the train one day, and obviously, you know, he had a few drinks, and, 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 and it, it didn't work out. Anyway, but, so we tried to get that, and then there was a couple of other players. Um, he might know the stories. I don't want to bore you all the stories. But he, he then said to me, he, he had agreed to get um, uh, Edgar Davids, the oh, Dutch international nice. I, I remember this. Aye. Aye. And he said to me, Oh, I've got it all agreed. All you have to do is go to, um, you know, uh, 
tune in and, and convince him to, to come to Dundee. And I was laughing at him. I'm like, what? <laughs> Ted Gardner to Dundee. And he's like, oh, 90 grand a week. He's got he's in his apartment outside the Turin. I said, you're wanting to come and play against Brecon. I said, he's in the, in the, in the Four Fisher Cup. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> with a big, a beautiful big hedge in the background. That'll really entice him. So, anyway, that kind of fell through. And then, um, just so happened that I happened to be, um, he, he said to me something about Ravenelli. And obviously, I was quite friendly with, with Luca Vialli, who had been with Chelsea. So, uh-huh. Ravenelli and Luca were pals. So I ended up contacting Luca and we managed to kind of get a hoddy Ravenelli and um, he agreed to come. So that's pretty that. much it. So, so yeah, when he, when he came in, it, it was it was a bit surreal, you know, you, you know, the silver fault, you know, the, and he just, I mean, he just, again, you're talking about a good looking guy, but it, there was just something about him. He, he could have been a, he could have, he could have been a mafia hitman in one aspect, the way you look through that, that kind of, you know, just, aye, just amazing looking. Smelling good and all that. Just aye, like, oh, aye. Aye, aye, 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 Style and all these things. It's a typical Italian style with all the cut suits and everything. Right, he's just been in good fellas or sopranos and came up to the exactly. Aye, and then obviously yeah. that kind of broken English speaking because he was at Middlesbrough and that stuff. So, no, but again, he, he, I mean, he was only there a wee bit because again the club obviously um, had the problems with administration and and that. But he was it was a, it was a joy to to have somebody like him for, even for a short spell. Uh, what was he like? Was he a professional? What, the day of training good and all that, Jim? Was he, always he, was the, he was the opposite of one or two of the guys. He was a total professional to the point where, actually, although he raised the bar, it gave you, it gave you difficulties because he wanted the standard to be that high and he wanted all the facilities to be great. And we were training one time at a public park, one time at a junior park and all these kind of things, but he wanted everything raised. Uh, and there was nothing the matter with that. Don't get me wrong, there was nothing the matter, but we just couldn't afford it. But uh, in terms of the standards, if it was a, if it was even a wee bit jokey or carry on, he didn't like it. He would come and see you. He would come really? and say, no, they're, they're, uh, they're, 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 they're too much fun, too much laughing and all this stuff. And uh-huh. he wanted to be out. As I said to you earlier on about you know, players playing abroad, and the Italian mentality, the tactics and the structure and the organisation is, is night and day for what we would do at Scotland. You know? So he, he wanted that. He wanted real high standards. Right. Um, you mentioned like Gianluca Vialli there. Right. Is it true that he based his haircut on you and I? <laughs> I well, I don't know if it, if, if it, me and you and him and anybody else is like that is getting too many options. So, uh, <laughs> but but look, look, it was another one. I mean, his standards is unbelievable. I mean, an absolute perfectionist. I mean, real OCD perfection. Everything had to be. Absolutely by the book, and these are the kind of things that I learned when I went down there. Is is that you know attention? Uh, not not so much attention to detail in terms of the tactics, but just in terms of the the attention to you know what's required for each each individual. In Scotland, everything was a big group, so you had whatever say sixteen players, and you were then running. Everybody ran at the same. Time so the manager would say right everybody does this running forty five seconds. Well, some are fitter than others, some are quicker than others, some are it's easy. But and 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 down there it was 
individuals, every single individual we had their own individual training program, their own fitness programs. And as I said, Luca was, he was the kind of guy that, that again, set the standards because he'd done it. He, he was another, he was a player manager at the time and he nice. was unbelievably fit and his, again, physique was just phenomenal. He was like an Adonis when he was stripped. He was unbelievable. Right. Time at Dundee, obviously, mm. then you did administration and all that and all the mm. personalities to deal with. Mm. Then you go director of football at Hearts and you've mm. got Roman over there. Mate, right. you've, had, you've worked with some characters, man. Roman. Oh, like, right, you must have had, you must have, have you got a story? Aye. Well, I, I, I used to kind of joke and say, I had, I had Romanoff, I had Ken Bates at Chelsea, I had De Stefano, I had uh, Delia Smith at Norwich. Um, <laughs> Sam, how have you all uh, got a book at? Uh, Ron Dixon at, uh, at Dundee as well. So he was a Canadian and, you know, said, how do the guys like their costumes, Jimmy? That's what he used to say to me, the costumes are strips. <laughs> and, uh, and things like that. I, you know, just used to, you know, say, I, I, again, true story. Uh, I put a purchase order in for balls and it was 20, 20 pound a ball. Uh, sorry, 50 pound a ball. We wanted 20 balls. So it was a thousand pounds. So you had to get a thousand pound off him to get the balls. And he says, oh, I've seen them in the gas station for four bucks a ball. So... I get I get the kit man to go down to the, the, the garage and just buy them all and they were like, you know, they were like water balloons, you know, they were all over the place, you know what I mean? So, but he actually thought a ball's a ball, it didn't matter what, what kind of ball it was. So, because <laughs> he was a Canadian ice hockey guy, he knew nothing about football. But uh, Romanoff, I, Romanoff was um, a very strange character. I mean, don't get me wrong, I actually liked working there because it was different, it was completely different, but it would be one of the ones where you're almost playing a kind of a kind of wee gamer who, who can come out on top. So, for instance, when you picked a team, you had to, at that time, fax them on the Thursday. So you faxed him the Thursday, he faxed back his team on the Friday. So so you'd make sure you didn't tell the players that the team was on Thursday, maybe done the set pieces, no, you had to kind of try and mix right. up a wee bit. And you then, then you would get to know which players you liked and which players you didn't like. So then I would actually send them a team on Thursday Known full well that that wouldn't be the team I would pick anyway, but I knew he would put in the team. So it was aye, all right. Kind of, so you were playing a wee kind of game almost aye, to try and games, say, aye, see, he'll, he'll put a couple of Lithuanian guys in. So I'll leave a Lithuanian guys out on the Thursday, knowing he'll put them in on the Friday, even if I was going to play them. So you had that type of thing uh, to contend with, with him. And again, he'd go to the stage where he would say, uh, he would say to me that uh, Graham Bricks was a manager, he said, uh, tell. It was his son most of the time, say, uh, it was Roman, he would say, or oh, Vladimir says, you must change this player, this player. And he would actually give you players to change and times to make the substitutes and which substitutes what? to make, aye, before the game. Aye. And did he stay? No. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but ultimately, you see, if he didn't do it and you didn't, he won. Aye, you're for it. It came to the stage, well, you, you suppose you'll know, but... It, it, Hearts was, had split Celtic Rangers for the first time in 20 years or something. And we were playing Rangers at Tynecastle. And he gave us a team he wanted and he told us the subs he wanted. And he said, if, the, if we don't win 3-0, the manager will be sacked in the morning. Oh That's God. what he said. So I said to him, well, what happens then? And he, and he says, you will be the man to me. And I said, what happens if I don't do this? He says, you will be sacked. So he just, I mean, it basically oh, just like dismissed you. So we played Rangers... I said to Graham, look, you need to change the team because if you don't, he's going to sack you. 
And he went, no, I can't do it. I've, I've done it a couple of times. I'm not doing it. Playing the team I want to play. So anyway, we drew one each. Rangers Thomas Buffell scored, I remember, actually. And um, and we drew one each. We were st- still six points ahead of Rangers at that time. I was only about six, seven games to go. I can't remember exactly when. And uh, he sacked them on the Tuesday. He just came in and sacked them. And then, you know, wow. it was one of those ones where he, he, you know, he stood by his word. But aye, he was a very complex character. I mean, as I said, he made me director of football. He in charge everything. But a few of his, a few of his um, people in the background were not overly happy because they were bringing in players. I, mean, I think he brought in, I think, I think about 10 players in the January. There wasn't even enough room in the dressing room. We had to have to put chairs in the shower so they could get ready. <laughs> so it was just ridiculous. You know, there was no homework done. There was no, there was, you know, the budget and the finances. That's how that, again, that club almost went bust. And that's, that's, the thing, that's the thing about having individual owners uh, that, you know, if they, if they want to take the club in one direction and they don't don't back it. It's like the Stefano. The Stefano said he would pay for Ravinelli and Craig Burley, but didn't he pay it? So therefore, somebody's going to ultimately just still sign with the club. And if the club don't have the money, then the club go bust. Right. And these, these individuals walk away and that's what happened with Romanoff. Have you seen that, um, have you seen the All or Nothing documentary that follows about Severino? Have you been watching that, no? I've not, uh, the, the new one with the Tottenham, the Tottenham Ah, oh, it's superb, have you seen any at no? I've not seen the Tottenham, I, I thought, you know, I thought the Man City one and I've seen the Sunderland one, but I've not actually watched the, right. I've not watched the Tottenham one yet. I mean, the, 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 the Man City one and the, the Sunderland mm. one, two total different programmes. Mm. The, the Spurs one, which really mm. interesting about it is how Daniel Levy's close to, to Mourinho and they go yeah. for breakfast and all that, and he's quite uh, alone with him. Which, uh, what would, what would you do if you were you're you're at a club and a and a TV crew say we want to film you for the full year? Yeah. We're going to come in, put the cameras yeah. in. You're going to be non-stop. Would you yeah. build for that? Would you do that? No, no, no for not? me. No, <laughs> no, no, no. 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 I, I wouldn't want it. But don't get me wrong. Clubs, I mean, again, publicity and mm-hmm. you know social media and all these things. Is, I mean, it can it can be really, ah, it can be a, it can be a big thing for the clubs. But me personally. It's not something I wouldn't want cameras for me all the time and doing stuff like that. I think that there are some things in football clubs that I still think should be kept in, in house and in, in, in between those four walls. Um, as I mentioned to you, there's probably has been things being left to it, but I'm sure even the top players have issues and, and personal issues and you know, you can't I don't think they should they should be subject to you know the public. You know, I think I don't think the public should be should be you know aware of all these things. Yeah. I think there are some things you should just keep keep within in house. But yeah, I mean, I, you, you know, I, when I was talking the other on about um, about De Stefano, he wanted way before you know a lot of the stuff has happened. He wanted the play, the fans to pick the team, uh, and what he wanted to do was have a a phone in, a bit like um, you know like a, a competition in the tele, like you know a reality show before reality shows really were as popular. So he wanted to pick a team, but it was like a charge. So you pay you pay two pounds or whatever it to be, you phone in, you say, I want Grado playing, I want uh, so-and-so playing. So you, you pick your team and then, you know, obviously the, or the average team, you know, he wanted us to play that in a, in a particular game, but he would be charging fans two pounds a call or whatever it to be. So they come up with manic, manic ideas. I mean, Romanoff wanted this to, when I was at Hearts, wanted the team to wear green, a green away strip. And we're saying, you can't even wear green, that's Hibs. <laughs> I know, I like. He, he wanted green, and he actually had drawings and, you know, and, and he had all the, the designs and everything all made up and all that. And it was, honestly, it was like it was like a Hibs strip. And we were, we, you know, we were like that. And you know, yes. people didn't even know. I said, you can't do that. But, 
again, remember the guy who was at Vincent oh. Tam at Owen Cardiff, wanted to aye. change him to the Bluebirds to, to red. Blue was unlucky in Thailand or something like that. And the, the, their nickname was the Bluebirds. <laughs> they don't care. They seems to be red. You know, so yeah, you'll get, you'll get owners. I mean, the, the other one I had was Milan Mandrich, who I had at Portsmouth, who was another aye. character, believe me. And um, he brings in a goalkeeper, Yoshi Yawaguchi, his name was. And he was, again, good-looking guy. He was kind of David Beckham a, a Japan at the time. But he was only about five foot nine for a goalie. You know what I mean? And he's like, no, he has to play. He has to do this. And, you know, and so, you know, ultimately, you're an employee. You know, you don't own the club. So if he tells you he's going to play, then, yeah, yeah don't play him. In which case, you get a sack. Or you play him. And you just have to bite the bullet. And that's the way the game's changed now. The game's changed now because owners and directors of football and all these things now are bringing players into managers. Whereas, obviously, when I first started, I was in total control of who came in, who came out. But that, that's changed. That's, that's all changed now. So now you're at Dumbarton now, Jim. So, obviously, the pandemic and all that. How's, how's training been going and the build-up for the new season and stuff? How's that been going? I definitely, I mean, again, I, I don't get all the things, but I mean, I think we're all up, we're all up with everything, you know. Um, the players will come in, they've got to get temperature tests, they've got to fill in a COVID questionnaire before every training session. Um, they've, got, they, they can't, they've got to come with a kit on, um, they've got to come in individual cars, they kind of get shivered, which I, I, baffles me because I'm thinking, well, surely if you were soaked to the skin or all sweaty, you've got to travel back 45 minutes or an hour to your house, you end up with the flu, <laughs> you know, or heavy colds and all stuff, but. Anyway, that's just the rule. So, yeah, we've had to, we've had to adapt to, like everybody else uh, aye, in life. Um, you've just had to adapt to it and just bite it and go on with it. Even if you don't like it, you've just got to deal with it. So that's what we've been doing. But it's been great to get the boys back on the pitch again. And, and aye, um, you know, and I think the players have, have enjoyed it as well because five months is an unbelievable time. And I've never known, you know, that for, for any... I mean, normally... The, even years and years ago when players finished early the longest would have been seven, eight weeks tops so five months is incredibly long and as long as the club's alright financially mate you are still there mate that's all that matters aye. isn't it Jim? aye but right, you know, we're probably hanging on with our fingernails but, but we're still hanging on <laughs> <laughs> oh but Jim honestly man it's been great chatting to you some great stories and now the part of the show is a 90-second football daft quiz. Are you up for it? Okay, we'll go for it. Yeah, right. let's for it. Every week on football daft. We as long as it's daft, we'll go for nowhere else. I'm all right. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we put our guest knowledge to the test every week by a 90-second quiz. And last week, got a new leader, John Sutton, scored 15 last right. week. Okay. Mark Wilson and Keith Lazar tucked in behind with 14. Well, the good doctor, Kenny Joker, Kevin Harper, just behind in third place with 13. Also got Owen Coyle on 12, Yogi's on 6, Dick Campbell on 5, Falkirk manager David McCracken still at the bottom with 1. Anybody want right. to there, Jim? <laughs> Aye, David McCracken. <laughs> <laughs> right, so you're not allowed to pass, you must give an answer, Jim, alright? Alright, okay, try right, my best. Just John, if we get 90 seconds on the clock. We have indeed. Right, you ready, Jim? Yeah. Here we go, right. What are Stenhouse Muir's home colours? Uh, that red wine. Shane, Shane Duffy is on loan at Celtic from which Premiership club? Brighton. Who scored two penalties for Scotland last weekend? Brian Christie. In what year did you take over Dundee for your second spell? 2003. How many supporters will be allowed into grounds this weekend? Oh, 300. Who plays their home games at K Park? Uh, East Kilbride. 
What is Stenhouse Muir's nickname? The Warriors. At what club did you have your best win ratio as manager? Uh, Falkirk. Who is currently second in the Scottish Premiership? Um, Hibs. Which League One club have just had investment from America? Falkirk. Who do Liverpool face in their first game this weekend? Uh, Legion United. How many Manager of the Month trophies did you win at Dundee? Oh, six. <laughs> Who is the current manager of Scotland under-21s? Scott Gamble. How many teams are in the Highland League? 16. In what year were Dundee founded? Uh, 1893. How many goals did you score for Partick Thistle? Oh, four. Who finished top scorer? Oh, get to finish that one. I've, I've started, so I'll finish. Right, uh, okay. Who finished top scorer in the Scottish Premiership last season? Top uh, scorer Scottish Premiership, uh, Morelos. Ah, where you go, Jim, for fuck's sake, Morelos. Listen, <laughs> <laughs> Morelos. You know Morelos with Edward. There you go. There you got to make it. Oh, come on, Hey, John, we finished any questions. I seem to put quite a lot of Stenhouse Muir questions. I was beginning to think we get sponsored by Stenhouse Muir now. David Andrews is getting more promotion than anybody else. Hey, John, let's close the doors. Let's go through the wrong answers. I'm going to accept, I've got steady home colours on Maroon, but to, Jim said wine, so I yeah. think that's a, that's, we well, uh, accept uh, that as, as You said that right, that's Maroon. It helps. Well, you don't get Maroon. I've never heard of Maroon. Somebody's <laughs> <laughs> back buying a couple of drinks, yes, yes Maroon. Uh, <laughs> Jim, I've got you down for 2002 for your second spell at Dundee. No, I think it was, I think it was maybe too, because I think, it was, like, as soon as I say that, I thought, I, I think it was 2002. It's very honest of you, Jim, because I might have given you 2003 if you had said it, uh, and no, that I could make a difference. Um, you did really well, uh, Jim. Uh, you got three uh, Manager of the Month trophies when you were at Dundee, apparently. Um, 17 play teams are in the Highland League. Aside from that, you, you scored four goals for Partick Thistle, and you obviously got that one, one at the end wrong. But I, I've got you, however, down for second place, tied with fourteen points, Jim. 14. Oh, you're tied with Mark Wilson and Keith Lasley, Jim. I can't believe Mark Wilson. God say, I mean, I, I, honestly, I'm, I'll, I'll, need to, I'll need to go. I'll need to go and do a wee, do a wee bit of research on that because that's just. <laughs> <laughs> I can't hear yeah. that. Oh, it could have been worse, it could have been Gordon DL, then I've really been struggling. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny, man. Jim, That's honestly, tough. thanks so much for giving up your time and coming on, mate. It's been a pleasure talking to you. No, thanks Cheers, very much. Football daft with G4 claims. Been involved in a road traffic accident? Get them now at notitfaultclaims.com. Well, Tom, that was a good show. Gredo's had to, obviously that was a wee sit-down he went for earlier. He came back. I think the sit-down peas triggered something else. He's had to go again, so... The sit-down peas triggered a stand-up shite. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I definitely uh, think Gredo did a stand-up shite. will take a while, man. Aye, certainly. Uh, without a doubt, without a doubt. But listen, 
I've, I've loved it. Jim Duffy was fucking tremendous. Yeah. Michael Gardine wasn't on for as long as, as he wanted or we wanted, but that will address that in the future. A wee, a great teaser, wee teaser about Gardine. We'll get him uh, back I think, on. I think he's got some stories. There must be some stories for up the Highlands. Aye. Aye. There's yeah. got to be, Hunter. There's got to be. Thanks very much, obviously, everybody, for listening. Uh, get us on our socials. And I, I don't think there's really much else to say, is there, Stevie? I think we need to sign up. We've been doing, remember we heard, that was it the Breakin song? The th- was it Breakin fans, John? Aye. Yeah, well, uh, well, obviously, that, we don't want to do the Big Brother this story without, with Gredo not being here in the way in the toilet. Oh, you were going to tell us the Big Brother story today and all, weren't you? No, I, I'm not going to do it now. Do you know what? Do you know what? I keep doing this every week and it, it keeps getting knocked off for some reason. So what I'm going to do is, if at any point, there is a Football Daft live show. I'm going to keep the Big Brother show for the live show. So if you want to hear the Big Brother story, you need to get your tickets for the live show when it comes around, Troops, all right? That'll be in 2026, so uh, we'll look forward <laughs> to that. We've not had long to wait for it. But uh, yeah, no, last week, um, I do, you know, we were talking about chants a few weeks ago, and then Aye. we had uh, Kevin give us the Beacon City tractor chant from last week. Now, everyone started sending chants. So if we thought we could play out the show every week now with a chant from your club. So if you're listening, cool. get your chants into us at Football Daft Pod, Football Daft Podcast on Instagram, or uh, Football Daft on Facebook. And we've got <laughs> one here from Greg Christie, who's an Aberdeen supporter, to play out the show with. All right, so here we oh, go, boys. Oh, it's a song about Calvin Zola. Zola has a massive cock, Zola. Zola. He tucks it in his football sock, Zola. Zola. Whoa, 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 whoa. Got the phone here, John. No, we can't have that. Listen, see if you're going to be sending your songs in. We don't want anything sexually explicit. We don't want anything that's going to cause us to be in the papers. All right? Keep them clean, folks. Eh? What do you reckon, Stevie? Aye, keep them oh, clean. That's all the good ones you're cutting out, though. But I tell you what, right, see if your songs are a wee bit dirty, just bleep out the words yourself. Go like that. Calvin Zola's got a bleep, ba-na-na-na-na-na, bleep, da-da-da-da-da, bleep, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-